generosity versus greed. Um, I was reminded of a story, maybe some of you saw it uh, in the paper again, but back in 2013 in Burleson, Texas, which is just south of Fort Worth. Matter of fact, I used to live in that area when I attended Southwestern Seminary. Uh, there was a terrible accident. And what occurred was uh, this young man, Ethan Couch, who was 16 years old, was driving under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Uh, and he was driving down a residential road uh, with four other guys in the truck at a high rate of speed. Uh, they came over a hill and there was an SUV, a, a lady and her daughter. Um, their, their truck had broken down and uh, a youth, youth minister came and was trying to assist and help them. They hit that uh, as well as there, were, there was another car coming the other direction. It was a horrible accident. Four of them died. Nine of them were significantly injured. And so he had a case of manslaughter brought against him as a 16-year-old. And um, he's there before the, the judge and the attorney uh, made this plea. Um, Your Honor, I think he should simply be taken into rehab and, and um, counseling and therapy because uh, Ethan, um, you know, he suffers from, and literally this is what he termed, affluenza. Affluenza, he's always had plenty of money. His parents have always taken care of him. Anytime he's got in trouble, they've bought, bought his way out. Uh, they've let him go largely undisciplined. He was driving to school when he was 13, even though the, the school system was telling him he couldn't do it. The parents made a stink about it and said, I, you know, that's on me. If my son, I don't want to let my 13-year-old son drive. He can drive. Yeah, he had numerous accounts of law several times, uh, even after this accident uh, with substances. And so the plea was, he just, he just doesn't know any better. He can't help it. He's never been taught, and because life has been so good and so easy, he just didn't know any better. And, and actually, he ended up getting 10 years of probation and therapy, uh, but has since broken that probation numerous times. And uh, we look at that and we go, good night, affluenza. I'm glad I'm not like that. That is crazy. Matter of fact, my kids look like saints right now, and I look like a great parent. Uh, we like to look at it and think of that, but let's, let's look. That definitely is a, a case of greed gone wrong. Uh, but let's look at it another way. <clears throat> the um, BBC has actually done two surveys on this, on the seven deadly sins, seven deadly sins, uh, you know, envy, sloth, greed, um, lust, pride, anger. But what they find every time when they do a survey on which sin do you struggle with the most? Or which sin is uh, the one that you almost never commit? Matter of fact, you, 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 you never or seldom have ever committed. Guess what ends up number seven every time? Greed. No one ever thinks they're greedy. We all think we're great because we like to compare ourselves to people who spend a lot more and do a lot more than us. And um, you may be sitting here thinking, you know what, I know what this is. This is one of those preacher giving sermons and like, do we have financial problems? Is that what's going on here? Because I know that's probably why he's talking about Are we? Wait a second, are we about to build something? I thought he said that we were done with that. We're done with that, okay? And, all right? And uh, no, we're in great financial health. We have good health and we're able to support all our missions. So thankful. Um, so it's not about this. This is about us. Because in the passage we're gonna look at today, uh, we're going to see that uh, something Jesus says that's quite remarkable. First of all, he's gonna call somebody a fool, which he never does in any other instance. And secondly, he's gonna talk about being rich toward God. 
You see, God created us in a certain manner and the Bible has been given to us so that we might live in that manner and that we might live in the abundancy of his grace and his love, that we might maximize our life. And so part of that that's necessary for us to grow and to be like Jesus necessitates giving. John 3, 16 says that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The hallmark characteristic of God Almighty is this. He's giving. He's giving in love. He's giving in mercy. He's giving in kindness. And so this is just a natural part of who we are. If we're going to grow in the image of Christ, if we're going to be like him, if we're going to truly worship and truly know God in the purest form, giving is just a part of that equation. And so uh, there are obviously multiple ways to give, but I want us to think about this for just a moment. So we mentioned, you know, the extreme position. We mentioned what the BBC says, nobody thinks they're greedy. But in Christianity Today, in January's edition, uh, I want to show you the statistics, what it says about evangelical Christians who say they go to church. This is evangelical Christians who say they go to a church and they're a member of a church, and they were asking about their giving. How do you give? 10% of them give 8% or more. By the way, this is us, all right? Uh, this is everybody. 10% of evangelical Christians who attend church give 8% or more. 23% give 2 to 8%. Again, this is this year's study, okay? 42% give less than 2%, and one out of every four people gives zero. And again, this is just not people who show up, but these are people who say, I'm a part of a church and I attend. I'm a member and I attend church. So there, there are the numbers. And so what, what is the reason for that? Why is that? You know, and you can say, well, I got a lot of debt or things are tight right now. Or when I retire, I'm gonna try to make up for things or I'm, I'm gonna whatever, but we're missing the point. We're missing the whole point about giving and this right here, this statistic says that at least some of us struggle with greed. And we hate that. No, not me. What, me? Yeah, I struggle with greed sometimes. You know, greed has different forms. We think you have to have a lot of money to be greedy. You really don't. You can have practically nothing and be greedy and never share. You know, our children do it all the time. You, you, you don't have to have a whole lot, okay? So for, for example, here's, here's where I get all messed up. So, you know, my dad, my mother were very conservative and always, you know, we were always looking at price and I heard a thousand times, we can't afford that. So that was pretty natural. That's what you hear. But every once in a while, so, you know, I find something and I'll find this shirt that I really like and it's on sale and it'll be 75% off. Get that 75%, that's good stewardship. I'm gonna get that shirt I want and it's 75% off. As a matter of fact, since it's 75%, I'm gonna get three of them. <laughs> You know, and why do I do that? You know, because I think, oh, and it'll last and then I'll have another one and I don't have to worry about it getting clean or whatever it is that we come up with. And so it can come in so many various manners. What, is, what do people say about this, about generosity? And what does the Bible say about generosity? Well, there's some great quotes uh, that I think are really neat that I really like uh, that I want to share with you um, about that question. Are we givers or takers? Billy Graham said, you can serve God in money, but you can serve God with your money. You can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. We are most like God when we are giving. My Max Cato, Mother Teresa, God gives us things to share, 
God doesn't give us things to hold. The Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verse 10, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work in all that you undertake. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters with himself will be watered. And Paul speaking to the Corinthian church in chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and the bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Well, that's a good word, some encouragement. I am no way promoting a health, wealth, and prosperity. You give, you get rich. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. Matter of fact, sometimes you give and it really hurts, and it's supposed to. And that's just how it is. That's part of growing. That's part of becoming like Jesus but I want us to look at a text here um, where it's the only time that Jesus calls a man a fool, which was a very strong word in that day. It's strong for us now, but it was a very strong word at that time. And he also talks about what it means to be rich toward God. If you have your Bibles, let's look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, beginning with the 13th verse, 12, 13. And what we're going to see right off the bat here, we're going to see uh, a, a young man that comes and approaches Jesus and tells his brother to give him part of the inheritance money. We see this conflict. We see these conflicts that arise and we see these all the time, don't we? See these in our, our families. I've talked to multiple people who you know, when maybe someone passes away or maybe when something comes available that brothers and sisters and parents and uncles and aunts get aggravated one with one another and we see this conflict. And where does it come from? It comes from our greed. We're so worried somebody else is gonna get something we're supposed to get. And that's where this starts right here. And then you'll see the lie. So we'll see that greed causes conflict and it causes us to believe lies, to be blind. Start with verse 13. Someone in the crowd speaking to Jesus said to him, teacher, rabbi, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He was probably the older brother who was given commission of the, of the inheritance and he was supposed to get more, but then he was supposed to distribute uh, a part to his siblings. And apparently he had either not done that or not done enough. So this guy comes to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to make my brother make sure he gives me my money. We see this conflict already. And Jesus, it, it, we don't see it here in the language, but in the Greek, it's a very interesting term that he uses here. But Jesus says to him, the equivalency of dude. <laughs> I mean, man, 
Who made me the judge and arbiter of you? Why, why are you asking me this? Why are you bringing this subject? I've been teaching about the kingdom, I've been teaching about the gospel, and now you're coming up and going, hey, tell my brother to give me my money. Man, you're missing it. He said, let me say something to you in verse 15. And he said to them, take care. He's speaking to this crowd. And by the way, for the large part, most of the people listening would by our standards certainly have been considered poor. Particularly the Jews, if you weren't one of the officials, uh, 90% of them were living, subsistence living. They were hand to mouth each day. What am I going to eat the next day? Okay, so this is primarily the audience he's speaking to. And he says this to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. What is he saying? Twice, he gives two warnings there. Basically, he's saying, beware, be on guard against greed, against that spirit of you feel like you deserve it. You've got to have it. That's mine. I want it. Beware, take care, be on guard. This spirit will ruin you. This is the enemy. This is one of the primary ways he can bring families and believers and churches down. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So in other words, the abundant life that Christ talked about, it didn't come in the abundance of possessions. He will meet what you need, but it's not about how much you can get. In actuality, in the kingdom of God, it's about how much can you give. That's the way Jesus lived. Continuing in verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Your translation might say bountifully. In other words, in a large degree, much, much more than even had been expected. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? Now notice how many times he will use the word I, 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 I. Hey, that's one of the little indicators. If when we talk, and particularly when we talk about our things, if we are always using I, 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 that's usually an indicator that that's come a little bit too much important to us. That's a little bit too much. And he, sh he takes it to the nth degree. I've got plenty crops up. This is, this is money. What can I do with it? No thought of, do I need to give some away to those in need? Do I need to give to the, to the priest, to the temple? Do I need to make sure my family's taken care of, those who are maybe brothers and sisters? Do I need to make sure? No. What does he say? What shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? In other words, my barns are already full. And he said, I, again, will do this. I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. I'll tear down those old ones and I'm gonna build big barns. And there I'll store all my grain in a new, improved, fancy, big barn. Everybody will see I have the biggest barns in the community. And I have them filled and they're new. It's still about I. It goes on. Verse 19. And now I will say to myself, I'm going to say to myself, soul, you got all you need. You have greatly prepared for yourself. You've got enough to just coast and make it on easy street. There's nothing you can't eat. There's nothing you can't drink. There's nothing you can't do. You are insulated. From now on, it's just a good life. And you can just be merry and you can count your money. He said, 
You've laid up for many years. You've worked hard to get here, to get all this stuff. And now you got it all. By the way, it's not a bad idea to earn. It's not wrong to be successful. It's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong to save. We'll talk about that later. That's not what he's talking about here. It's wrong to worship. It's wrong to value in such a sense that you think it's going to insulate you, that that's the purpose that God gives you wealth. It's not. And we know this is true because what is Jesus saying here? That God said to him, fool. It's the only time that we see, we see the word used fool generically, but this person is called a fool. You are a fool. This night, your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared Whose will they be? All that you have, you're dying tonight. You got to that spot where you felt like I don't have to do anything. I am good. I am wealthy. There's nothing I can't have. There's nothing I can't do. I'm there. You worked all your life to get that? Well, tonight, your soul is required of you. It's your last day. And all these things that you've prepared, all this that you've stored up, your great big barns, your nice house, all the things that you have, who's they gonna be now? You almost get the impression that he hasn't been a great family man. We don't see any, um, we don't see any recognition of that. And we see starting right before, we see two brothers that are at odds with each other. There's been a high cost to get this. And he says, so is the one, and he's t talking to everyone. And again, he's primarily talking to people that we would consider poor. Let me put it this way. They'd consider us rich. I know that. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now again, not wrong to save, not wrong to be successful, but what do you do with what you've been given? With what God has given you to steward to manage, you are to be a conduit to bless. How are you doing in that capacity? Because that's how you're rich toward God. See, God doesn't say, oh, he's got a lot in his bank account. He's rich. No, he says, Does he, do you have a lot in your heaven account? In other words, how much impact for the kingdom are you making? What needs are you meeting for the body? That's what it means to be rich for God or rich in God. And let's talk about it for a moment. What are some indicators of greed in our life? What are some things in our life that go off that maybe we don't typically notice that might mean we struggle with greed? We're maybe not as generous as we think we are. Uh, by the way, Adam Grant did a book called uh, Takers and Givers. I did this sermon about eight years ago. And he found out that only about 22% of people are givers. About 26% of people are takers. Everybody else are matchers. In other words, I'm gonna do this for you and then later you're gonna do this for me and you kind of keep an account. And if you do a couple things for somebody and they don't do it for you, then you don't, you don't do anything for them again. <laughs> and if you work with somebody who comes in and you give to them a few times and they don't reciprocate, uh, then you never do anything for them and you start to talk about them. And so that's more than you need to know, but nevertheless. <laughs> but givers, givers are respected. Givers of your time, a boss who's a giver, who gives his time, who gives his assistance, who gives his help, well-respected. Those are places people want to work. Those are places people say are healthy and places that people don't leave. So what are some indicators of greed? Well, one is fear. Fear. What do you mean by fear? 
oh, I can't give, I can't help here because something else might come out that I really want or I want to do and I might miss out. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. I got FOMO, I can't give. I don't know what's going to happen next month. And if I give this, then I won't have it for this. Uh Uh-huh. And that's exactly what Jesus thinks. That's exactly what he's saying. Uh, Don't let that be. You have bills to pay? Absolutely pay your bills. But this thought of if I give later on, I might not even get what I don't even know yet. That's the whole principle of generosity. That's the whole point of trust. Number two, envy. Man, that's not fair that they have that stuff. Matter of fact, I think we make the same thing. We have the same type of job. We live on the same street. How do they afford that? I just, just, I, I, I just don't feel good about that. And that's, it just consumes me that they have that and I don't. How did they do that? It's not right. They shouldn't have that. Matter of fact, does that guy work at that church? What is he doing driving that car? Where's that come from? Is that the Holy Spirit convicting you? Probably not. Impulsiveness. You go into, you have no, you're not thinking about buying something. You go to the store and you come out and you've spent $400. It's a sale. <laughs> you see something, you buy it. I was talking to someone the other day and they told me, they said, yeah, um, we were out driving, going out to see some stuff and there was some property out there and, and we pulled off to look at the property and before we knew it, we bought it. And I, did, I don't know why. <laughs> I said, you get a good deal. He goes, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, all right, all right. So impulsiveness, that's usually that spirit of greed. Here's, here's a good law. And when I can live by this, it works well. 24 hours. When I see something I think I need, when you see something you think you need, wait 24 hours. And if 24 hours you come back and you still need it, it might be okay. Now, if it's a big purchase, you better wait at least a week. Don't do a house on the 24 hour. Think about it. What we'll usually find out as we get away from it, there was marketing, there was advertising. You know, somebody said something. Uh, It was interesting. I was reading an article this week. Golly, this blew me away. It said from 1984 till 2004, total, there was $100 million spent on children's advertising. $100 million spent on children's advertising. Last year in 2001, there was $15 billion spent on advertising for children under 12. Hey, we are living in a world, we are living in a material world and I'm a material girl and boy, that's where we really are struggling. You know what I mean? Madonna didn't even know how true it was. And the media, everything outside of the kingdom of God is saying, get, 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 get. So when Jesus talks about give, Oh man, that's hard. That's offensive in some ways. And we see where our hearts are gravitating. So what do we do about that? Well, let me give you a few ways that we can be generous that will help for us to be generous. Number one, understand money in its correct order. Money is not bad in itself. It's what you do with it. And there's a correct order. There's an order of how we should handle our money. Here's how it goes. We earn it. Give it, save it, spend it. Earn it, give it, save it, spend it. Now, let me give you just uh, a simple way. And, you know, with today's uh, technology and the way things are today, it's, it's a little bit easier than maybe even in the past, or at least it is for me. 
So, you know, we know we're going to get a paycheck and we know what it's going to be. So we've already determined, here's what we're going to give. So it comes right out of the account. It's debited. It goes right to the church and right to some other organizations. That's where it goes. Then, you know what? I do the same thing with saving. And we're going to save this amount because we know we're going to make this amount. So this much just comes right out. So now I know this is what we have to spend. It's the same. Now, does that mean that sometimes we, now sometimes we have to go back in the savings like this month and last month? Yeah, sometimes we have to go back there and take that out. But it's the principle of just putting it back and learning to live on what you have, that you've already made an intentional decision. That's what Paul's talking about. If you go back and look at 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 16, when he says, the first day of each week, bring your offering. That was their agrarian society. They would come, they would give that. That was the first day of the month. That's the whole principle of giving. How are you intentionally and specifically giving? Are you intentional about a plan? And if you earn, give, save, spend, it'll work pretty well. I'm not saying that sometimes things won't be hard. Sometimes uh, it won't, won't be a struggle, but that system will work. And I believe it's a biblical system. Number two, be thankful. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful uh, for your home. Be thankful for all that you have. And let that be a spirit that your children hear that you're thankful for it, that grateful heart. Study giving in the Bible. Uh, I've given you several passages in the YouVersion app. If you go to the YouVersion app, you can see all my notes from today. Uh, they're all there, and you can see it in the YouVersion app, and you'll see all those scriptures. Just go to the YouVersion app and then put in Rock Point, and you'll see all of this anytime you want. That's for every sermon that I do. And we continue. What's another way? Well, give consistently and intentionally. It's part of the program. What am I, how am I giving? Am I doing it consistently and intentionally? Not just a, well, I have some money. If something hits me, I'll just give it. Well, that's great. That's another deal. Uh, but that's you just kind of being in control and that's you not being consistent. That's kind of that spirit where if I need it, I can take it back. Anticipate giving in spontaneous needs. In other words, if you're going to do that, which is great, you know, sometimes people have a jar they're going to put out. Sometimes, I remember uh, when I was younger, I just, I just carried a $20 bill. And if there was a need and I felt like God put it on my heart, <clears throat> that's what I'd give. So you're, you've got a plan and the, you don't have to just be always emotionally responding. But what do I do if I don't have enough? I, you don't understand, Ron. Uh, my, I got more, um, more bills than, than paycheck. And sometimes that happens. That means we need to change things in our lives. I can tell you the one way that you can always make more money, spend less. You can always have more money if you spend less. Now, I'll give you an example. You're not going to like it. Um, but let's just pretend that you have a coffee problem, okay? And you like to go to Five Bucks, better known as Starbucks. <laughs> and you go there six or seven times a week. I had a friend that was going twice a day, six days a week. He said, I take Sunday off. But anyway, I, you go there and you look at it. And you go, well, at $5, and sometimes it's more than that, at $5, at six, that's $30. 30 times four, that's 120, 130 a month. You've just spent less. And what you could do is you could take about $20 of that and go to the grocery store and buy a big can of coffee, and it'll work. It's fine. <laughs> you're, you're, you can still be cool. I don't like coffee. It's really easy for me to talk about this. So anyway. <laughs> so there are ways for us to spend less. Spend time with people who are generous and ask them questions. How do you do this? Tell me about how you started this spirit, this mentality. How did you get to where you were a generous giver? 
talk to me about generosity. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you talk to some older folks, some I'll talk to my, my mom or my, my dad before he passed away and they tell a story of how hard things were and, uh, but they always gave. My mother's always given. I watch my parents faithfully always give. And, and that's a lesson. That's a great lesson that we teach our kids. It's a great model. So spend time with generous people. And then two more, be willing to give even when you don't have control, even when you don't feel totally in control. Don't find yourself in that situation where you have to be in control all the time. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'd give the church, but you know, I don't know where everything's going. Well, come up and look. Uh, don't ask me because they don't let me see it, but go and let Alan Michael or Paul McDonald or one of our elders walk you through it. But here's the thing, if you do that, then you're gonna give up your excuse not to give. So just remember that when you do that. But find out where, if, there's a, if you're giving and you wanna know about it, go ask. Go ask questions. Go, go look at reports. Good for you. Go do that. Um, but the mentality that uh, I have to be complete control, I have to see everything, and I have to see how it comes back to me, that's not really giving. That's you giving for you to get. That's your power that we struggle with sometimes. It was an old story about a, 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 a farmer who had a small farm outside of the king's kingdom and he grew this carrot that was just much larger and much more beautiful than any carrot he had ever grown. And so he, he thought, thinks, what should I do with it? And he said, I know I'll give it to my king because he has been such a good and just king. So he gets an appointment with the king. He brings the king and said, oh, king, this is the biggest, the most beautiful carrot I've ever raised. And probably I will never have another one like it. And I wanted to give it to you. And the king was really touched. He was very grateful and thankful. And as the man started to walk away and he said, you know what? He goes, my royal garden is next to your garden. He said, I want you to take a hundred acres of it and I want you to, to work it and uh, just bring 10% back to me and everything else is yours. And I know you're a good steward and you'll take care of it. And the man began to weep. He was so happy because he had expected nothing. Well, there was a nobleman that heard that story in the background. And the next day he thought, well, if he gave that for carrot, what will he give me if I bring a horse? So he brought his stallion. It was the most magnificent stallion in all the land and all the kingdom. Everybody knew it. There had never been one more beautiful, a larger, stronger, faster stallion. <clears throat> and it was the envy of all of the other horse owners. And he brought that horse for the king. He said, oh, king, this is the most beautiful, the most exquisite, uh, the most amazing horse that I've ever raised and I'm sure I'll never have another one like it, but I wanted to give him to you, O king, because my great love and respect for you. And the king said, well, thank you. And so he had somebody take the horse out and the nobleman just stood there. The king got up to depart and the nobleman was just staring at him. He goes, um, you don't understand what, why I'm not more grateful. He goes, no, sir, I don't. He said, well, I'm sure you heard the story or maybe you even overheard of the, the poor farmer who gave me the carrot and he gave me of the best that he had. He gave it to me with no strings attached, not thinking he'd get anything returned. But you, you gave the horse to yourself, thinking of what else I could give you. We often can fall in that same mindset. That's a greed mindset as opposed to a generosity mindset. And lastly, give away things of value, not just leftovers. Uh, I was reading an article, uh, Kelly Silsey 
who's over 30 of the Goodwill shop said that it cost us over a million dollars a year to haul off the junk that people drop off here because it's so bad. It's furniture without legs. Uh, it's clothes that are so deeply stained uh, with blood and, and other things that we can't even do anything with it. It's just so nasty that we have to haul it. We, we get people you know, donating used sponges and all this kind of stuff. And, and he goes, she goes, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't even know what they're thinking. Uh, but what it is, is they're actually dropping off their trash and counting it as a gift. And here's a good rule to live by. She said, you know, I wish people would not give us things they wouldn't be willing to receive themselves. So would you be willing to give that to your neighbor or would you be embarrassed by it? Then don't bring it to us. You know, that's just the real truth. Again, it's that whole mentality of I'm getting rid of this stuff. I'm giving to myself because I got rid of the junk and I got rid of the trash. What is your spirit? Is your spirit that of generosity or is that of greed? Six things I'll close with here that we can do, I believe, that will help us in this mentality. It's six truths for us to remember. Number one, giving is an act of worship. When we give unto the Lord, we are worshiping. That word literally means worth-ship, value-ship. That's literally what it means. It is an act of worship. Number two, giving is eternal. What you give in the right heart is eternal. It goes on forever. And it will be part of what you receive in heaven, not from a financial manner, but in the goodness and the greatness of God. Number three, God owns everything and you're a manager. You're managing his account. Just like when you give your son or daughter a credit card, maybe every once in a while, um, maybe not too often, uh, they are managing that. There's certain things they can buy, they can use it and they have to give it back because it's not theirs. It's yours, you're allowing them to use it. Um, God created us to bear his image. And because God is a giving God, we should be a giving people. God promises in Philippians 4.19 to meet all our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. God will supply our needs. We don't have to have FOMO. God will supply our needs. Does that mean we'll be, God will supply our greeds? Nope. God never promised to supply our greeds. Sometimes we buy things that we can't afford and we spend too much and then we go, God, where's the money? God's saying, we got a bigger problem. All right, so God promised to meet your needs according to his riches and glory, not according to our riches and glory. And last, generosity is about today, not about the future. It's not about, hey, I'm gonna be like that man, I'm gonna get all my barns full and then one day I'm really gonna give. That missed the point. The point is what God is daily doing through us. He wants to grow us today. That's the equivalency of saying, I'm gonna turn 75 and then I'm gonna start working out. You missed a whole lot of time of getting in shape. And that's what we're doing spiritually in that analogy. So my question to you, as we look one last time and we ask this question, where are we? Are we being foolish or are we being rich toward God? I love Dan's story and how he came to Christ and how there were missionaries who decided to go because they were called. But every time you hear about a missionary going, guess what? It's because somebody's supporting them. Every time you hear about a ministry, it's because somebody's supporting it. The question is, where are you laying your treasure today? For where your heart is, your treasure will be also. Let's pray. Father, thank you that while we were still sinners, you 
gave to us. You gave Jesus to us. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's not come to know him today that they would transfer their trust to what you did through the death, burial, and resurrection. And they would transfer their trust to you and receive you as Savior and Lord. Lord, for those online, if there's someone who has never trusted Christ, Lord, I pray that they would click on that link right now and that they would pray to receive Christ. Anyone who needs prayer, Lord, anyone who needs to be discipled, needs to be baptized, needs to grow in their faith, needs to grow in what we've talked about today and being rich toward God, Lord, I pray that they would take that step today. And we ask you all these things in your name. Amen.